Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan, my amazing co-host, Shane Beauregard, and Chris Rodell in just a moment. We are releasing this episode alongside two other episodes today, our review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and our top five movies of the year so far. And today's episode is kind of the companion piece to that as we will be giving our top five TV shows of 2022 so far. And it's been a very buzzy and impressive year in TV thus far. I love that I get to review TV shows now in earnest. Uh, after being a Netflix film podcaster for so long. Uh, but these guys really know what they're talking about. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy trying to play slight catch-up on these things. And we're going to start with Shane again because this is a show that I have not watched. You're number five. But man, is it heating up right now with <laughs> people thinking there's going to be lawsuits. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. Shane, talk about winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. Yeah, currently on HBO Max with John C. Riley and Adrian Brody. Those are only two actors you'll probably recognize because the rest of the cast is relatively new and hasn't done any other work. But I was going back and forth because I'm like, do you need to be a sports fan to like this show? The answer to me is no. It's entertaining enough. Like I said, it's based on a, a book that was, you know, was written a little ways back. So they do take liberties, and that's what Andrew was referring to because there are some real athletes who have a real problem with this, <laughs> with this show. Oh yeah. But I love the way it's shot. It has that uh, grainy documentary feel to it. John C. Riley nails it as Dr. Jerry Buss. He again, started not everyone knows him like with Will Ferrell's sidekick. No, no, no. he can act and he has the chops and Adrian Brody as uh, Pat Riley pulls it off. I love the actor who they got to play Magic Johnson. Again, they found him. He was a college football player. This is his first thing he's ever done. He has that magic persona. It goes into, again, the beginnings of Jerry Buss buying the team, trying to build a championship roster with dealing with like just the different athlete egos, living in L.A. It really goes and shows you what kind of person Matt. It doesn't shine light well on anybody like Kareem. No offense, excuse my language. They make him to be an asshole. Mm -hmm. uh, Magic Johnson just bangs everything that moves right now in L.A. <laughs> but it is so wildly funny and entertaining. They, I think there's like one episode left right now, and I don't care. Like, it is so good. Highly recommend this show, even if you aren't a sports fan. What if people are not into Adam McKay? How much of the Adam McKay influences in the show? To me, none, other than his name being slapped on his producer. Okay. Like... It has hard-hitting subjects in in this show, but no, you wouldn't think it was an Adam McKay vehicle at all. Like it, other again, other than his name being slapped on there, no, this does not feel like an Adam McKay movie or anything he's ever done before. And this is a totally different John C. Riley you've seen in a long time. What about the Jerry West controversy? They just came out where he was Ooh. like trying to get a cease and desist. Did they really go tough on him? They did. I mean, they make him just. And again, an a-hole. He's just like this <laughs> unlikable, just Grinch who just hates everything. Like the most unhappy person walking the planet. So yeah, if I'm him, but if honestly, if I'm Kareem, I'm a little more upset than Jerry West. Yeah. Because they make him just to be not a nice guy at all. Like at all. Like he's his own thing. They they do 
branch out and give you like their individual stories about how Kareem got into being, you know, changing his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, how he was raised, right. how Magic was raised. So it does give you all their backgrounds, uh, which I really like. So this could be yeah. a 20 episode series and I'll still like it. That's fascinating. I, I still got to get to that one. I've I've heard all the controversies. I've been involved in kind of hearing all the all the discussions around all the characters and and wow, it sounds like uh, a very entertaining mess of things. But uh, <laughs> as a sports fan, I also hear that maybe they don't stay to the letter on those as well. So I'll have to see where I land when I get around to that on HBO Max. Um, Chris, your number five is basically. And it's basically the HBO Max Hour um, yeah. because your number five is also uh, Shane's number two and my number three. This was a show that hit perfectly right as the new year started. Uh, talk about Peacemaker. So I, I have to give a little backstory to Peacemaker. Uh, and it involves Shane. Uh, in his uh, previous podcast, Media Mosh, Shane and I tried to review Suicide Squad twice <laughs> yeah and uh both recordings got screwed up and we never got to give our review of it right <clears throat> it's out there in the ether somewhere but the suicide squad was a surprise given that it was james gunn who was handling it should be no surprise right um he's got a way of telling a story he's got again almost like everything everywhere all at once he has a look of, man, he's got all the money in the world to do whatever he wants. But he does shoestring budget. He does practical. He does off the cuff. Yeah. He's amazing. He he really does. Like, listen, he's not everyone's cup of tea. But to me, I, I, I love his independent feel playing with the big dogs. He, he brought came that to Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. He has that trauma background. Oh, you yeah. know, he had the low budget stuff before he went, you know, Marvel. Yeah, of course, he came off of like kind of the controversy stuff, the tweet, uh, the Twitter stuff that came yeah. through. And this was kind of his return. If anything, I was actually just more concerned that he was too busy, uh, which is weird because they sidelined him for a short period of time there. But, you know, between that Guardians 3, then obviously Peacemaker you know, it kind of was so much. Um, and that's why, to me, when I watched Peacemaker, I was like, this show is better than it has any right to be. It, it, it's, a, it's a deep supporting cast. The theme song and the dance choreography sets the tone right up front. Uh, it's just incredibly fun. And it has some deeper stuff, like the family dynamic stuff with Robert Patrick. And, um, yeah, but to me, that stuff even works most of the time. It was just a delight. I looked forward to it every week. And I was glad that it was a weekly oh, yeah. show, too, uh, by the way. Shane, what's your feelings on Peacemaker? You had it the highest of the three of us. Yeah, this was this blew me away the first when I got done watching it. It did because it came out early in the year. And like you said, the theme song popped on. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and what it took was an unlikable character from uh, the Suicide Squad. Because if those of you watched it, he was john cena was just a dick he was a dick and just to me unredeemable and what james gunn yeah. did with adding his father's history and how he was raised and his brother's aspect in his life you started feeling for john cena's character the peacemaker in this 
But what I love about it is he still stay, stay, uh, stayed so oblivious to being politically correct. He was just yeah. unaware, uh, like he was socially unaware of just everything. So it was funny. Because yeah. John Cena, I'm not the biggest John Cena fan, but I thought this role in this show was perfect for him. I love the supporting cast. I love the actor who played Vigilante. I thought they played well off each other. Mm-hmm. Uh between, yeah. It felt like a 90s show between the music, the hard rock, the heavy metal, the humor, the action. Like you said, this show had no business being as good as it was based on a character that no one's ever heard of, ever. So, yeah, it's amazing. It and right. James Gunn can do so much with the soundtrack that we know that from Guardians. And yeah, he killed it with this show. I was laughing with all the like, you know, uh, power ballad stuff every single week. Yeah, it, it was again. It was yeah. again. Cena. I like the Robert Patrick dynamic in there too, because it does bring you some context to why he's so messed up. But still, in the end, there's so many scenes I look back at. I can rewatch this entire series multiple times, probably over the course of a year, because it's has those funny scenes and just it, it just makes you laugh and feel good, and it's crazy violent. Yeah, that that is true. It's surprising that it was as popular as it was. Like any show that how... puts Cinderella in there, in their soundtrack, <laughs> you got uh-huh. me hooked, brother. You got me hooked. But it's funny how, you know, the way people are very sensitive nowadays, I'm surprised they weren't complaining each week that it's just like, you did this in the episode? You right. said this? Yeah. I mean, they were, they were looking back on his tweets 10 years ago saying how... Uh, disgusting his views were and here he is putting it on pretty much display uh each week on a character that we're supposed to love but man just like shane said it's just like it's you know he's a hard guy to uh you know stand behind because he's either oblivious or he's just like narrow-minded in his uh view for justice you know yeah i mean one more reason to say like twitter is mostly not real life um (laughs) but but yeah, he definitely does like to pick fights. He definitely likes to throw himself in the ring. Even when he was in hot water, he couldn't help himself. Um, yeah. But it doesn't stop me from liking this show. And obviously, it was kind of a love fest between the three of us. That was Chris's number five, my number three, and Shane's number two. Um, my number five, totally cheating um, because I'm just so into it right now. And it's only two episodes in. I'm taking Barry season three. I don't know if you guys watch this show or whether you've been watching uh, the first couple episodes, but God damn, did I miss this show? It is so dark and twisted. Bill Hader is just so bent and so funny. Um, they jump right in with both mangled feet <laughs> and I'm desperate for more right now. Uh, it, it, the takes on the Hollywood system are like a welcome change up from previous seasons that they did, but we still get all the great characters. Noho Hank is still fucking hilarious um, every time I see him on the screen. And God, yeah, it's it's just an intensity and a, a, a humor that you don't get in any other show on TV right now. So I had to include it, even though it's only two episodes in. That's my number five. But for number four, uh, I'll go to Shane because this is also Chris's number two. Um, and I saw some hot exchanges about uh, how this one is wrapping up. Ozark, Shane, if you want to kick us off with that, just released 
part two of the final season. And I know you had some strong feelings, but this still made your list. So where are you with Ozark? Yeah, it still made my list. Cause I think overall when the whole, when you take in the whole totality of the show, I would probably rank it higher from a historical standpoint of what I like, but if I could just take right. it as a single season, it, it, it <laughs> had the same tone and consistency as the other seasons. But as this season worn on or wore on, I, there are certain aspects of what characters were going through and there's some of their storylines that I particularly didn't care much for this year. Uh, and I discussed the last couple episodes with Chris because this is non-spoiler, but this is one of those shows that the last episode ended and I kept waiting for the next episode to kind of like upload. And I thought there was going to be another episode. And I was like, behind the scenes, I don't want to see behind it. So I don't want to say a season finale, a series finale could ruin an entire season, but I'm almost there with it. I haven't been this upset since the Sopranos or Game of Thrones. Um, So I could launch into it, but I'll hold off because still you're in it for Jason Bateman. Uh, Laura Linney becomes every season. She becomes more unlikable. I can't couldn't stand that bitch. But yet, that's what makes her a great actress because she pulled it off. You love to hate her. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this is a character-driven show. That's why I still up there in my top five. You, their dynamic can, cannot be questioned. All the actors in this show. So that's why I still in there. But the end did bring it down for me. It drug it down a little bit. Yeah, and the question now is, is with all of Netflix's uh, financial issues and everything else, are we going to get these type of prestige dramas you know especially that skew that kind of crime more violent more kind of edgy prestige dramas that you know hbo max and apple and some and who all these other streaming services are dipping their toe in it seems like netflix is kind of pulling back be sad if ozark is kind of an end of an era chris you had this higher than shane you had it as your number two what do you think now that uh ozark part two has come through and this season is over as uh, Shane said, we were discussing it prior, but uh, I understand where he's coming from. You know, the details that we've uh, gone over, uh, it's a lot easier to uh, see a viewpoint. But I think, that, without giving anything away, because I'm sure people are still, you know, trying to process it or are still, you know, going through the the second half of the season. It is there's no other way for it to really go. You know, without saying too much, it is character driven. Uh, some of the characters uh, I questioned where it was coming from, uh, their motivations, you know, certain characters I just wanted to see, you know, be gone by whatever means. But that makes for a great show that, you know, you you have this reaction to each one on screen. Wendy is terrible. She's a terrible human being. And I never wish death upon a character as much <laughs> as I did with her throughout both halves of this season. I'm just like, Marty is trying to keep his family afloat. He's trying to do the right thing. He's good at what he does. He reminds me of uh, Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad, where they're so good at their craft that you don't want to see other people messing with that. And Wendy messed with that every every turn. You know, he's just like, I'm going to make this decision. And and she's just like, uh-uh, I'm going to do it behind your back. And now you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Every episode. Yeah. And I'm just like, 
how how is this going to go? Each season, it ramped up even more so. And I was wondering, where's it going to go? You know? And when it finally ended, when I finally saw that last episode, you know, I understand where Shane's coming from, but I also feel there's no other way, I think, that it could have ended as it did. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, people are still catching up on that. So obviously, Netflix final season of Ozark is out now. That was Chris's number two and Shane's number four. Chris and I have the same number four, uh, Russian Doll season two, which I, is a is a show I felt bad for because this was definitely a casualty of all the delays with COVID and everything yep. else. Definitely took a long time to get this to come out this year. And, you know, I will say for anyone, if you were a fan of season one, that season felt like it was definitely one of those one and done type shows. And the fact that they even attempted a season two was going to be a tough, you know, bar uh, to clear. So with season two, this one definitely felt more mission based and more introspective than season one. Um, it kind of strives to learn more about acceptance and moving forward, which is ironic in a show that is constantly diving into the past. You know, a lot of stuff involving um, the family of, of Nadia and, you know, her kind of coming to the conclusion that she can't change the circumstances that were dealt and kind of gaining more perspective and love for the people that helped who shaped her, uh, her character to where she was at that present time. Definitely a season that processes grief and depression, especially especially with uh, the Ruthie character that helped raise her. You know, it's definitely, it wasn't as entertaining as the previous season and certainly begs the question of where this show goes from here, uh, especially because I hear this, uh, the ratings for this one weren't as strong, which is tough, you know, especially because a lot of people didn't even know uh, that the second season was coming, you know, because it took so long to get there. But it also begs to ask, like, can this constant time-traveling, mind-bending formula keep holding water uh, with no real kind of clear understanding of why it's really happening? But it is always entertaining, and I definitely was hooked until the end. So, Chris, you and I obviously had it as number four. What did you think of Russian Doll Season 2? Just like you said, I was surprised that they actually went with another season, but in most everything that I see, uh, I look at, you know, trivia behind the scenes of all of it. And they said they have a story for three seasons. Yeah. And they have definitive character arcs for each person. It's not a surprise that they went with a second season. I'm just surprised that they went this route with the second season compared to the first one where it felt like Groundhog Day. Right. And... This one feels like frequency. Mm. Um, yeah, sure. But I am a supporter of Natasha Leone. She's one of those people that I just wish they stick with their sobriety mm. because I, I just really find her to be a fun actress. Yeah. Um, I almost said character, but this uh, this character of Nadia is so close to Natasha that it's hard to separate the two. It just amazes me that you can do this with situations and a character that, you know, let's face it, she's selfish. She's, uh, you know, sometimes unlikable. Yeah, sure. So 
having that as a character that you have to root for and and follow along, it, it's kind of hard if it was anybody else. But like I said, I love Natasha, and uh, I wish nothing but the best for her. And I, I don't know. I just, I like stuff like this. Don't give me a reason behind it. Just put me in the weirdness. Let let this, let me just bask in, in your situation. Like, a lot of people ask for Groundhog Day, you know, why did that happen to Bill Murray? You right. don't know. It just happened. And yeah. And you followed him along for the ride. Another character that, uh, you know, isn't exactly likable, mm-hmm. but there's something that draws you to him. But that's Bill Murray, you know? Right. If it was anybody else who was acting like a jerk, then you'd be like, no, I'm done with him. You know, episode yeah. two, I'm out. Yeah, they know? tried it again with Palm Springs, and there's been some of this yeah. kind of uh, version of that going through. And and to me, I don't know if you had this feeling because we just talked about the movie part. I feel like everything, everywhere, all at once kind of took the air out of the balloon a little bit of this season because there's kind of... They're both very messy. They both dive into the past to kind of learn about themselves and and kind of you know keep going through these uh, devices to kind of get to those points. And I felt like everything, everywhere, all at once, while messy, was like purposely mess- messy oh, and yeah. kind of was a little more coherent in where it was going than Russian Doll season two was. But Agreed. that didn't mean that I didn't also enjoy this. And and you're right. I, I'm in the camp of Natasha Leone too. Um, Netflix basically revitalizing her career, starting with Orange is the New Black and now yep. with Russian Doll and Amy Poehler being in uh, the producer chair for Russian Doll too, kind of propping this up and moving I'd this along. i that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, definitely looking forward to a season three, even though I think this is a step down. It's just... It's hard to know where we're going, and part of that excites me, and part of that is like, you know, might drive you crazy sometimes. So, definitely a show worth sticking around for. Attention, nerdy knights. Join Flo, Anders, and me, Colleen, at the well-rounded table for Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. From that Star Wars galaxy far, far away to Outlander Scottish Highlands, we consume it all. Listen along with us each week as we explore the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Um, number three, Shane, uh, you have a show that I definitely have heard a lot about. I am very intrigued to watch. It's on Apple TV plus tell us about severance. Uh, that's very hard to do. My friend, uh, a very (laughs) different show that you'll see on TV right now. So I'm just going to, has Adam Scott. He's the main character. You also have John Turturro, Patricia Arquette's in this. It's produced by uh, Adam Scott and Ben Stiller is one of the executive producers on this show. And basically, he plays a character named Mark. Mark leads a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work and personal lives. When a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a journey to discover the truth about their jobs. Essentially, that's what it is. You have uh, Adam Scott leading a team of data sweepers and collectors. We don't know what kind of data they're actually accumulating or mining or looking through. They're all alone in this vast, huge building. So <laughs> Patricia Arquette plays their boss. And without getting into the spoilers, I this is a very plotting show. So I understand why people would pull the plug after, like, say, week four. But this movie, this show does play with, uh, like, just what's ethical, 
morally what's the right thing to do. As you get into why Mark did the procedure, it was because he had a personal tragedy happen in his life and he didn't want to remember his personal life that way. So there's different reasons people do this, but it's a controversial thing among the outside people of the office building. Again, right. it's about Mark leading this team. Oh, also has Christopher Walken in it, who plays just a great Christopher Walken character. They're <laughs> learning awesome. more and more about what their company does, but you never really get there yet. They keep it so cloaked in mystery, but I love the set pieces. I actually love the office building they're in because it has like a 70s retro feel, but in present day, mm-hmm. even the town is like dark, snowy, just dreary. But as you dive deeper into the characters, especially John Turturro, who is who's great, and Adam Scott, who kind of carries this show, it is, it is hard to talk about because it is so different and wacky. It, it, it keeps you interested because you start learning a little bit, just enough about what's going on in this company, but you really never get there. But it does, the last several episodes starts to pick up and then it just like, it grabs you. And man, it's funny in parts but you also have some serious subject matter, but it is a vastly different show than you'll see this year. It's, it is hard to kind of really dive down and talk about this show. Cause it's, it's just different. Glad to hear about John Turturro in there too, because he's someone we could have talked about with the Batman and I thought he was great. So I'm glad he's kind of having a moment right now here in 2022. Um, Peacemaker was my number three, um, number three, Chris, is another HBO Max show that I haven't watched, even though I'm a fan of a lot of the creators. Uh, tell us what you like about the Righteous Gemstones. It's a religious experience. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I got to say, I'm hit or miss with Jody Hill. When I first saw Foot Fist Way, I was just like, this is very dry, too dry for my taste. But, you know, after some time, after rewatching, you know, you you start getting the essence of what it's about. Same thing with the observant report. I was just like, man, I don't know how to feel about this. Right. It's like, it's kind of serious. It's kind of sad. There's funny parts in it. And I, I, I just don't know how to feel about this. The same could be said about righteous gems, the Righteous Gemstones, because it has everything in that. It, it's, you know, these... These again, here we are once again, unlikable characters that you you hope the best for. You're like, oh man, I hope they get out of this situation, or you know, oh they they got uh you know backed into a corner over here. But each week you root for them somehow, and it's it's very surprising that I think the Danny McBride and Jody Hill don't want it to be perceived as like a, a bad look at religious leaders mm-hmm. or icons, uh, the Joel Osteens of the world, televangelists, all those. They actually kind of show that there's a, a a way of being perceived in this, this uh, sect of life that uh, no one's infallible. Right. Everyone has their demons. I don't care what side of the cross you're on. And it, it's it's an interesting look. It, it it shouldn't be as good as it is, but it, it's good enough to be my number three. 
Excellent. Uh, I, I, you know, with Eastbound and Down, you know, I love that show. I know a lot of people also liked Vice Principals. Uh, I was into that too. Like, so I will ride with those guys. I just haven't gotten to Righteous Gemstones yet. So that is definitely one, uh, especially based on your recommendation that I will get to on HBO Max uh, as soon as I can. Excellent. Um, so, Chris, your number two is Ozark. We already went through that. Yep. Uh, Shane, your number two is Peacemaker. We went through that as well. My number two is a show on Apple TV Plus going uh, that just had its series finale uh, this past Friday is Slow Horses. Uh, it's basically uh, a spy show, you know, uh, for fans of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or you know a little drips and drabs of maybe like a Twenty Four, a show that definitely takes its time. It's a British spy show. Um, it also quietly has most of the episodes take place in one night while being on the run. So for how methodical it could be at times, it also kind of speeds through um, with some of the spycraft stuff. And, you know, it's all about MI5. It's about this group of kind of like castaways, people being punished in, in this particular uh, slough house. It's run by Gary Oldman. And God, it's an iconic Gary Oldman character is real beaten down greasy leader who just hates being there hates being alive constantly drinking and smoking and farting just a gross human being and but it's it's amazing he's a a great watch and it kind of shows him kind of coming to life here now that they get like a big uh case a kidnapping that is kind of at at the center of this show um Kristen Scott Thomas is the head of MI5 and she's really impressive in this show as well so a lot of people that i've liked ever since the 90s coming back into the fold i highly recommend uh slow horses that is my number two and now we can get to our number ones i'll start with shane because uh chris and i actually have the same number one um this is a show that i'm watching right now so i didn't have a full shake to to make it on my list but i'm enjoying it uh i'm in episode three of Preacher on Amazon Prime. Shane, speak on it. Yeah, this is my number one, and it, pro- it honestly shouldn't be. Because <laughs> <laughs> is it the best written show? No. Is it the best acted show? Not even close. But there right. is something tantalizing. It's almost like a guilty pleasure, but I'll go back to our friend uh, John Ametta. Is it really a guilty pleasure if you like it? So, I just found myself zipping through every episode. For those who know Jack Reacher's based on a novel, like a handful of novels written by Lee Childs. Uh, everyone was pissed off when Tom Cruise took over the Jack Reacher role for those movies. Yep. And honestly, I understand why. Because in the lead, you have Alan Richson, who played Hawk on the live Titans show on HBO Max. And he was in Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles. That's the only time I've ever seen him. But he right posing slab of stone of a man in it <laughs> yeah he brings the physicality to the to, to this role but you can tell his acting chops qu- quite aren't there yet but he is likable for some reason so you get the backstory he plows through this goes to this uh, town looking for his brother his brother disappeared and then he starts unraveling a whole slew of conspiracies and just corruption in this town and he's going to stay till he sorts all this out so you have the action it's funny but he is he is the draw so i understand why people were upset with tom cruise but they're just entertaining this 
this is like a, a show I just could take my brain out, put it on the nightstand, and just sit there and enjoy what's going on. I didn't have to really yeah. think too much about it. Again, not the best written, not the best acted, but man, is it wildly entertaining. And they already greenlit, like as soon as the show is over, they already greenlit a season two. I think at the time it was Amazon Prime's highest downloaded show of all time. Yeah, massive hit for them. And I agree with a lot of what you said. Like I said, I'm only into uh, episode three. It's a little more uh, serious and, and more elevated than I thought it was going to be based on some of the promos that they had. I was expecting something closer to like a burn notice uh, quality to it. Although there is something to that. There are elements to that. And you'll see as you get into the season a little more. It, it That's a good show to bring up, by the way. It, it, it kind of does have a burn notice feel, which to me is not a bad thing. Um, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, and I don't feel a Sam Axe here. He's kind of like a mix. Uh, Reacher himself is kind of a mix of a lot of those kind of mainstay characters in Burno is all wrapped into one. Um, but this has kind of got that like walking tall, like a rock should have been playing this thing. Um, it has that kind of vibe. And I dig that. I like those type of movies. And so I'm riding with it right now. I am entertained. Um, and yeah, definitely a breakout performance for Alan Richardson. I also like uh, uh, Willa Fitzgerald, who plays Roscoe, um, who's kind of like the opposite to him most of the time. I saw her in um, uh, Royal Pains, which was another USA show on the same time uh, around as uh, as uh, Burn Notice. And she played kind of this wayward daughter that comes back into the fold into his family and and i hadn't really seen her in much since and and i really enjoy her in here so definitely a show that i'm gonna watch the rest of and maybe we'll talk about that as uh our recent activity will catch up with each other uh as it were <laughs> but to end this thing i have the same number one as chris this show is yeah. minx on hbl max um definitely a show that I only heard of it because I was listening to a podcast that had Jake Johnson on as the interview guest. And boy, was he so entertaining. And the fact that I was like, all right, whatever he's doing right now, whatever you say, I will I will watch this show. And then uh, I know Chris had uh, spoken some of the virtues of the show, too. So I was like, you know what? Half hour episodes. Let's rock this thing. And boy, was I surprised of how good this show is. It kind of gave me you know, the vibe of like Glow or Orange is the New Black, kind of these great female-led ensembles that has kind of a tough-to-love lead. Um, it's about kind of this feminist woman in the 70s, uh, you know, wanting to make uh, almost like a, an elevated magazine for women's issues. And, you know, she kind of, the only person who will publish such a thing is a porn publisher, uh, played by Jake Johnson from New Girl, and oh my God, the 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 ride that this show goes on, the amount of uh, male frontal nudity, if that's your thing, uh, tons of that, uh, tons of female as well. Um, gosh, yeah, this uh, this show caught me off guard in a very positive way, and I am in, and I love the way uh, this first season ended. I hope to do a lot more. Chris, what did you love about Minx? I I have to choose my words wisely, but uh, <laughs> my God, like you, you never thought you'd be like, what a breath of fresh air! All the all the male frontal nudity, you know? <laughs> yeah, N nice change up. But uh, no, it's much more than that. It's it's 
these characters that wouldn't be in the same circles. No. But they fit, you know? They are just... Each episode, you're just rooting for everyone. You, you just want everyone to, to rise above it all. Uh, yeah. You want the magazine to be successful. You want uh, people to be understood. Yeah. Um, Jake Johnson's uh, character, he is um, he's funny. He's very supportive uh, of this endeavor uh, that you didn't, wouldn't think that he would have any insight on, but he just knows how to put out a magazine. Yeah. He he wants to do something different. He wants to do something fresh. And when you get Joyce's ideas, he's the guy guiding them. Yeah. He he's the Andrew of the show. You know? <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh no, honestly, like everyone's everyone's so good in it. And you know, as you said it, it does have that uh glow feel, that orange is new black, which is not say it's, you know, derivative of, but it is Th- those were those found its fans throughout the years yeah and this is no different uh, i'm sure there's a lot more than us talking about it where they they just love every episode yeah um, and they are so lucky they got jake johnson though because this show while i'm so impressed by the cast uh, now that i've watched the whole thing this yeah. show does not have a lot of names jake johnson is it and and he is kind of the the person who keeps this show going on the very early part of these episodes because Joyce's character is so unlikable for for several episodes until she starts to kind of evolve and change and if you stick with the season it definitely pays off but if you were watching this week to week then maybe you might have a tougher time hanging especially if someone like uh, Jake Johnson is not in the show, but yeah, definitely impressive. Uh, a, a show that I want to hang with, and yeah, just so many character uh, actresses and actors that I never knew before this that I am wildly impressed with. And also, um, Ellen Rappaport is the the creator of this show, and I couldn't see a bigger turn from I hated. Her previous, uh, the Netflix movie, Desperados, which was one of the worst Netflix movies I've ever seen. And to come out with something like this, when she was known only for really that and writing Clifford the Big Red Dog, the movie that came out last year. And then she turns, talk about a turn, right? Clifford to full frontal male and female nudity everywhere. And, and you know, blurring that line. So kudos to her for sticking in and getting, you know, something like this made. Uh, very impressive. Minx on HBO Max. Um, and that'll do it, guys. That is that is us. That is the top five for us thus far. Thank you for sticking with us. I, I'm very excited for what's to come. And, yeah, some of these shows, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to check them out. You guys did a great job of selling the ones that I haven't seen yet. I'm kind of still coming out of the uh, Netflix fog from my previous show and trying to get into more other streaming services and other shows that maybe I haven't caught uh, a lot to chew on here, but yeah, definitely excited about what we got coming up. We're going to have Dr. Strange, the summer preview and a lot more to come on recent activity. Thank you guys for listening and be with us next week. <laughs>